Yeah. Uh, good to have you with me as always. And of course, as always, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, well, start off, I guess, with the election cycle. Uh, we had the Nevada caucuses yesterday, and the Republicans uh, were caucusing. And as has been happening in, in several primaries uh, around the country, uh, Donald Trump won. And he won by a very big margin. And the question is, can anybody else, and of course I'm not endorsing any candidate, I can't do that, as the head of a nonprofit organization like the United States Justice Foundation. But I can certainly watch and observe and comment. And the question is, can anybody out there stop Trump? I don't think so at this point. I think he is probably on a runaway train to win the Republican nomination. And if he wins the Republican nomination, the question is, is can he win the general election? We have to put a Republican in the White House. And we have to maintain control of the United States Senate and, if possible, increase the numbers there. And the reason we have to do that is because if we don't, the Supreme Court of the United States is going to have at least one justice put on there to replace Antonin Scalia and probably more under a Democratic president. And the Supreme Court is going to be then the supreme law of the land. We will no longer at that point be a constitutional republic. The Congress will have no say-so over what goes on in this country. The constitutional rights of Americans are going to be stripped away, beginning with the Second Amendment. First Amendment rights, rights to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, are also going to go by the wayside, as is due process under the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution as is being protected from illegal searches and seizures under the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. I'm going to be writing an article later on this week. I have been tied up working on something for some state legislators around the country the last week or two. But I'm about to wrap that up, so I'm going to be writing an article about the importance of the Supreme Court and the importance of this election to how the Supreme Court goes, because I'm extremely concerned that if we lose control of the court, even for just a few years, that the destruction of our constitutional republic will be completed. The communist, socialist, leftist, whatever you want to call them, are going to be in complete control, and we're going to be put in a position of having lock and load. We'll probably take to the streets, into the woods, into the mountains, to defend our constitution and defend our very lives. Because those of us out there listening to the show who believe in freedom, we're hated by the left. Hillary Clinton hates us. Bernie Sanders hates us. Barack Obama especially hates us. And we won't hesitate to try to destroy us and our families in order to impose this new world order. As a matter of fact, I'm writing a new novel right now, which is about two-thirds complete at this point. It's called The Rag. And I am going to be, it's going to be published sometime, sometime probably this summer. And I'll let people know, but it, it deals with the situation like I'm describing. Where basically a new world order government takes control of this country and destroys our democratic or our constitutional republic. We're not a democracy. We've never been a democracy. 
with our constitutional republic, and people have to go to the streets and fight try to bring it back. So that's how important this election is coming up. So we have, on the Republican side, some people that I consider to be very good candidates, some very good conservatives, some people that I think would would fight for this country. And on the Democratic side, we have a communist. Now, I know Bernie Sanders calls himself a Democratic Socialist, whatever the heck that is supposed to be. <clears throat> he does that because most of your college kids out there who are supporting him have no idea what the word socialism even means. They don't understand it. All they know is that Bernie Sanders promises them more free stuff. And it was interesting the other day when you had the South Carolina primary going on for the Republicans and the caucus in Nevada going on for the Democrats at the same time. If you listen to the rhetoric, if you look at how people were voting, the Republicans, regardless of who they were choosing, whether it was Trump or Cruz or Rubio or Carson or Kasich, they were looking for someone who would protect this country would protect our freedoms, would protect our Constitution, would help us defend ourselves against the people out there who would destroy us. That's who the Republican voters were looking for. That was the decision they were making. Whether you agree or disagree with how they voted, that's what they were doing. On the Democratic side, you had people making their decision between Clinton and Sanders on the basis of who was going to give them the most free stuff. And this included the college kids, because you have Bernie Sanders promising everybody that they're going to go to college for free. Hillary Clinton basically saying the same thing. Who's going to pay for all of that? Well, a lot of these people, these kids in college, are from rich families. They're little rich kids. And like I saw back in the 1960s, when you had the anti-war demonstration and the occupation of buildings on campus, most of the people who were doing that were little rich kids. Unlike me, because I was working my tail off to pay my own way through college because my family couldn't afford it. I was working out in the Gulf of Mexico, um, working 12-hour shifts every day, for sometimes a stretch as long as 35 days, to make the money to pay for my college education. But these people who are occupying buildings and demanding social change in America, most of them, and I knew a lot of them, they were little rich kids. They weren't working. If they had been working, they wouldn't have had time to be out demonstrating and occupying buildings. They weren't working. Their parents were picking up the tab for them. So they were free to go about agitating and demanding that the government also take care of them. These days, a lot of the same type of people end up living with their parents because they can't find a job. And then we have the situation on college campuses where the victims are asking for help. They want to want the colleges to defend them against free speech. If they are black, if they are Hispanic, if they are gay, they want the colleges to protect them from anybody who disagrees with any of their positions on anything. And it's happening on the campuses. And these are the people that are going out and voting for Bernie.
Bernie Sanders. They want free stuff, and they want the Constitution to be abolished so that nobody can say anything that they disagree with. And that's particularly aimed at you and I. Now think about that. That's what our college students are being taught. That's what they're being encouraged to be, is to be victims. If I'm a college student today, I was in charge of the Young Republicans at LSU. I was in charge of the Young Americans for Freedom. I later became state chairman in Louisiana for Young Americans for Freedom and the national secretary. And I managed to do all this while working full-time during the summers. And I wasn't asking for any free stuff. But I can remember being attacked because people wanted to shut me up. They did not want me to be allowed to speak. Uh, and I'm talking about being physically attacked. That happened to me a couple of times on the LSU campus when I would be at what they call Free Speech Alley, which was a Wednesday function at noon in an alleyway between the uh, uh, union student, student union and the theater. And it was traditional for the most part. We'd go out there and we'd talk. And I was a fairly young Republicans, and I would talk about... Uh, my view on the elections as they were going on, on what was happening in the country. And a good friend of mine who was a head of Young Democrats would talk about the same, you know, thing except from the opposite viewpoint. We didn't hate each other. As soon as we were through a free speech alley, we'd go in the student union and, and buy each other beer. And we'd sit there and just chat. Ultimately, later on, after he graduated from college and had to start paying taxes, he became a staunch conservative. Reality set in. But the point of what that is is that we did not hate each other. We did not try to shut each other up. We did not try to hurt each other. But there were leftists out there, the same people now, type of people who are supporting Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, who thought their job was to shut me up. And I was physically attacked. One guy attacked me, claimed to be a Vietnam veteran. We his background investigated, it turned out he had, had been in the Army, but he had been a, a discharged, dishonorably discharged, and his job over in Vietnam had been fixing telephone wires in Saigon. And he claimed to be a, a Vietnam combat veteran. He was against the war, and when I was up there defending the war in Vietnam, he decided to physically attack me. But I had had some hand-to-hand combat training. I was in ROTC, and... Uh, Ultimately got commissioned as a lieutenant in the Army, went on to become a captain eventually. And so he came and tried to kick me, knock me down. I just stepped out of his way and broke his leg on the wall of the student union. But that was the point that they were trying to make is, we're going to shut you up. We want to keep you from speaking your mind. And that's what Bernie Sanders is all about. The man is a communist. I mean, he honeymooned in the Soviet Union. He has had nothing but praise for the Soviet Union. He has had nothing but praise for communist Cuba. And by the way, the President of the United States has decided that he's going to break his own promise because he had promised not to go to Cuba even after he normalized relations. He was not going to go to Cuba until he saw significant progress in human rights. As a matter of fact, last week alone, there were 100 people arrested in Cuba for disagreeing with the regime. And Obama's response, well, I'm going to go visit Cuba. 
And when asked about this by a reporter, his response were, you know, asked about the fact that this would violate his promise. Even the New York Times came out and mentioned that. Uh, his response was, well, I'm going to Cuba because it's going to be fun. So for the President of the United States, allegedly, he thinks going to a communist dictatorship where being, people are being persecuted, imprisoned, in some cases executed, or trying to support the I concepts of freedom, he thinks going to that kind of place is going to be fun. That's who we have as President of the United States. And Bernie Sanders is going to be just as bad. Hillary Clinton will be just as bad. And Hillary Clinton, you got two things going on with her. Number one, she wants to be able to help destroy this country. But the same token, she and Bill want to make as much money as possible while they're doing it. That's what they did when he was president, after he was president. That's what they did with the Clinton Foundation, which is under investigation also for misuse of funds. Hillary Clinton and her husband are thieves, professional thieves. She could be our president. Let's take our first break. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Let's, let's talk now about what Obama's about to do with Gitmo. That's, of course, our uh, prison in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, where we house the terrorists, the worst of the terrorists that we captured after 9-11, including the mastermind of 9-11 that killed over 3,000 people in this country. 
and which Obama didn't seem concerned about, he has been reducing rapidly the number of terrorists that are at Gitmo. He has released several hundred of them. And these are the people that, after the Bush Bush administration determined that a lot of people were at Gitmo who didn't belong, didn't belong there. They had not been involved in terrorism. They'd just been picked up on the battlefield in Afghanistan. They were sent back. So the people who were still there were the ones that had truly been found to be committed terrorists, the worst of the worst. The people who wanted to kill Americans all over the world and kill other people in other countries around the world. Obama started releasing them to other countries. It's estimated that at least 30%, probably more, have gone back into combat to try to kill Americans. They're working with Al-Qaeda, they're working with ISIS, they're working with other terrorist groups out there, or they're working with the Taliban. Remember the bird doll trade, where Obama took five of the top Taliban leaders and traded them for a man who has now been charged with deserting his post deserting his post when he was a soldier in Afghanistan. And that's how he fell in the hands of the Taliban. Obama did this despite lacking congressional authority to do it because the law requires that he cannot release anybody from Guantanamo without giving 30 days' notice to congressional leadership. In the case of the release of the Taliban, he gave no notice whatsoever. He just did it. Congress didn't do anything about it. Since that time, he has released many more. Again, Congress has done nothing about it. He has violated federal law repeatedly. Now, there are specific federal laws passed by Congress and actually signed by this president that prohibit him from closing Gitmo and bringing the terrorists to American soil to be housed in prisons here. He's submitting a plan to Congress to allow him to do that anyway, which means that they would have to get rid of the federal law that was already passed, repeal it, pass something new. It's not going to happen. You have Democrats that don't like this any more than Republicans do because some of their districts are being targeted as possible places to put these terrorists. He wants to move them to the United States. He wants them to have all of the safeguards, constitutional safeguards, that are normally given to American citizens. And they are going to be in a position where if they escape, or if they are released... They can create havoc right here in this country. Him doing that without approval of Congress is against federal law, and he's not going to get approval of Congress. So what is he going to do? He's going to do exactly what he's been doing on gun control, on environmental regulations, on virtually everything. He's going to be doing it unilaterally. He's going to close Gitmo, and he's going to bring terrorists 
to this country and put him in prison here. Now, here's a big question for you, and I haven't been able to find out an answer to this. Obviously, we've been fighting ISIS. We've been fighting al-Qaeda. We're continuing to fight the Taliban. When we capture somebody from ISIS, for example, where do we take them? They're not going to Gitmo. They're not going to jails in foreign countries, supposedly, because Obama stopped that. So where are they going? Or where are they going to go in the future? If Gitmo is closed, the only place for them to go is to jail here in this country. And once you bring them into this country, the federal courts are going to demand that they be given full constitutional rights, free attorneys, and be tried in this country under the protection of the Constitution. So the people out there who are trying to kill us and kill our constitutional republic are going to be accorded all the safeguards of the Constitution. But I think there's another reason for closing Gitmo. And of course, the, the, the whole primary reason here is that Obama is protecting his legacy. He promised when he was running for office back in 2008 that he would close Gitmo. He never could get a congressional approval to get it done. So now he's going to do it on his own. His legacy is more important to him than the safety of the people of the United States. He's made that clear. He's made that clear with the lack of uh, control on our southern borders, or our northern borders for that matter, on allowing the illegals to come into this country, be convicted of crimes, and be released without being deported. Allowing people to come into this country and not being even checked for diseases. Now, it used to be that there, there was a long list of, of diseases that would prohibit people from coming into this country. Just in the last week, Obama has reduced the list of inadmissible communicable diseases for legal and illegal aliens to just four. Syphilis, gonorrhea, tuberculosis, and leprosy. They got HIV or full-blown AIDS. They're allowed to come into this country if they've got some kind of communicable flu or virus. They're allowed to come into this country. In fact, for the most part, they're allowed to come into this country regardless of what illnesses they may have. Again, Obama's interested in protecting his legacy, and his legacy, as I pointed out in a recent article on my blog is to destroy this country. I also put an article recently on my blog about liberal hypocrisy and all of this. If you want to read my blog, go to www.michaelconnelly, C-O-N-N-E-L-O-Y, dot jigsy, dot com. It's J-I-G-S-Y dot com. There you can find out about me, look at my background, see my resume, see the articles that I've written on the Constitution, the books that I've written, including one about my father's unit during World War II called Mortarman, which has become a big, big seller on places like Amazon, and also Amelia, A Story of America, which is a patriotic novel that I wrote that the left absolutely hates. They attack it constantly uh, for being pro-gun, crazy gun owner, uh, pro-Second Amendment, pro-freedom, 
anti-communist, you know, all the things that they, they hate, they attack me for, and I love it. The more they attack me, the better it sells. Anyway, you can find out about those and the other books that I've written, including the booklet, Our Constitution. Right, take each article, each amendment, and each section of the Constitution, and I put them in the way they are originally written, and I make my comments about what they actually mean. It's very important to go look at that booklet, go to a copy of that booklet, because it's going to be definitive as to what's going on with the Supreme Court. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But let me tell you what I think about Gitmo and what I think is really happening here. I think that when Obama goes to Cuba and meets with Raul Castro, one of the things he's going to assure him is that once he closes the prison at Gitmo, he's going to close our Navy military base there. Most people don't even realize that this has been a major base for our military for almost 100 years. Through a long-term lease that we executed with Cuba, that military base has helped protect us during World War II. They helped protect us from the Soviet Union when they put missiles on, on Cuba. The fact that we had a major military base there has been disruptive to terrorists, and the people that would destroy this country. Cuba has tried on several times to take it back by force, and we're always, always beaten back. And the presidents of the United States have always refused to just give it away. Well, now we have Obama. And I think that he wants that to be part of his legacy, that he is going to give away Guantanamo Bay. He's going to close a major military base, a naval base, and he's going to give it back to a communist regime. And that includes millions of dollars worth of facilities. The Russians can come in and set up their own military base there, because the Cubans will let them if they, they get paid enough money. The Chinese could come in there. Anybody can take over that base. Cubans don't care. They're not going to be defending us. They're going to lease that base out to whoever wants it. Again, we have Obama's legacy putting us in danger. And that's all this man is about. He's putting us in danger. So check my blog articles. And keep up with me on the blog. Again, it's www.michaelconnelly.com. C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y dot J-Z-J-I-G-S-Y dot com. And you can order copies of the book that our Constitution on that um, that site. Or you can go to www.constitution.jigzy.com and order it there. We sold over 8,000 copies of it now. And we're probably closer to 10,000. And many people can then order it to themselves and to give their family members, give their children. Some people are ordering it to give out to schools. And if you're going to order a bunch of copies for schools, you need to contact me directly, and we'll work out a special price. Basically, give it to you at cost if you're going to be giving it out to schools. But the book itself only costs $6 online. So take a look at it, because one of the things that's in that booklet, it talks about the Supreme Court. And it talks about how the justices of the Supreme Court are appointed. 
and it says that the President of the United States will you know, nominate people to the Supreme Court and have the seek the advice and consent of the Senate on nominations. What does that mean? Well, let's take our second break and we'll talk more about it. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So the Constitution of the United States requires that the president have his Supreme Court nominees or any other nominees, supposedly, to a major uh, position in the executive branch of government or the judicial branch of government approved by the United States Senate. And unfortunately, Republicans in the Senate have, ever since Obama took office, acquiesced to him doing it, appointing, making appointments without the Senate approval. I mean, right after he took office, he appointed something like 35 and then ultimately 45 czars. These were heads of new agencies and departments that he he created on his own with their own special budgets, with no congressional oversight, and no approval by the United States Senate to their appointments. And I kept asking over and over, and I never could get a response out of any Republican in the Senate, why doesn't somebody in the Senate sue to stop this? Why don't you sue the President of the United States and say, look, the Constitution requires that I vote on behalf of my constituents to approve or disapprove any appointments you make. You had denied me the right to do that, therefore you had denied me the right to fulfill my constitutional obligation to the voters from my state, and you denied the voters to my state the right to speak out on these appointments. I would have sued myself, but I'm not a U.S. Senator. 
in the courts you have to have standing. And the federal courts are very reluctant to give standing to individual citizens, which I think is, is corrupt and incorrect. But that's, that's the way of life. But a U.S. senator would have obviously had standing, yet nobody would come forward and do that. So Obama's been trying to make appointments ever since. Now, he did get shot down when he made two recess appointments to the National Labor Relations Board, when, in fact, the Senate was not in recess. And the Supreme Court, by an almost unanimous... Okay, Michael, you should be back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I heard a screeching noise, and all of a sudden I was off the air again. This hadn't happened in a while. We've been making moves to protect it, uh, and protect our phone lines here uh, where I live, and so we haven't run into this problem in a while, and I hope it doesn't happen again. But in the meantime, I was talking about the uh, appointments that, Supreme, uh, that Obama made to the National Labor Relations Board and how is the Supreme Court of the United States shot him down. It was almost unanimous decision, saying that you can't decide when the Senate is in recess, only the Senate can decide it's in recess. Now, one of the things that disturbs me about this whole debate over the Supreme Court is even the conservative commentators on places like Fox News and their so-called legal experts are coming forward with this idea that just refusing to consider the nomination that the president puts forward is not going to be enough because while Mitch McConnell is hopefully smart enough not to put the Senate in recess while Obama's still in office, there's going to be a window there from January 3rd, 2017 to January 20th when Congress will officially be adjourned. Now, that means that that's a period when Congress is going to be changing hands, basically. New members of the Senate and House of Representatives are going to be coming in, and Congress is going to be adjourned. And these legal experts are saying, well, Obama can make a recess appointment at that point. Ladies and gentlemen, read the Constitution. That's all I keep asking people to do is read the Constitution. Look at what it actually says. Look at what it actually means. The Constitution of the United States allows the president to make recess appointments to positions like judgeships or cabinet positions only when the opening has occurred 
during a race recess of Congress, during a Senate recess. Now, obviously, Justice Scalia did not die while the Senate was in recess. He died while the Senate was in session. They might not have been meeting that particular day, but they were in session. They had not been formally recessed. So the President of the United States, under the Constitution, cannot appoint anybody as a recess for formal resident adjournment, cannot appoint anybody to replace Justice Scalia, because the criteria under the Constitution just is not there. This is what we've stopped doing in this country, is we've stopped holding our president and our members of Congress and people like our Secretary of State, both Hillary Clinton and John Kerry, who are both criminals, stopped holding them to the standards required under the Constitution. And one of those standards is that the President of the United States and all members of Congress and all members of the Cabinet take essentially the same oath of office as I took as a member of the United States Army to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. In the case of the President, it is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. Now, there are criminal penalties under federal law, under federal statutes, criminal penalties for violating that oath of office. If you do something to denigrate the Constitution or try to destroy our constitutional republic or try to deny constitutional rights to the American people, then you can be found guilty of a felony on each count and sentenced to a year in prison and fined up to $10,000. Under that criteria, when you look at the oath of office and how many times it has been violated by Barack Obama, every time he makes an illegal, issues an illegal executive order, he violates that oath of office because he demeans and destroys part of the Constitution. Every time he makes an appointment, every time he lets prisoners loose from Gitmo in violation of federal law, he's violating his oath of office. Hillary Clinton is doing the same thing. And she set up a private email system while she was Secretary of State, which was a direct violation of federal law. She violated her oath of office. Not only is nothing happening to her so far, but she's running for President of the United States, could be elected. So we as Americans have to start telling our members of Congress that, okay, you want to stay in office? You do what we sent you there to do. You stop this lawless run by Obama by Loretta Lynch, by Hillary Clinton, by members of the United States Congress who violate their oath of office on a daily basis, by people like Lois Lerner with the IRS, like Eric Holder when he was the chief law enforcement officer in the country as attorney general, 
you hold these people accountable. The woman who had ran the VA hospital in Phoenix, Arizona, where at least 40 and probably several hundred veterans died under her watch because she was covering up the fact that they were destroying veterans' records so they wouldn't have a whole lot of veterans in line for treatment. So they weren't just giving them treatment at all. That was a violation of her oath of office. That was a criminal violation under federal law. Nothing happened to her. She was allowed to retire with full pay and benefits. Just like her brothers, Lois Lerner was allowed to retire with full pay and benefits after refusing to answer questions in front of Congress. And that's something the Republicans in Congress, they just let that die. You know, they, they let that go. She was using her position to deny conservative organizations in this country the tax-exempt status that is freely given to liberal organizations in this country. She was doing it deliberately. There's no question about it, and that's just going away. Nothing happened to Obama. Nothing really happened to her. The whole government is a corrupt enterprise at this point for the most part. So what does that mean for you and I, the everyday American citizen? Well, we have, under the Declaration of Independence, the ultimate veto power over our government. The Declaration of Independence says that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. These rights include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when any form of government decides that it can deny rights to its people and ceases to be a government controlled by the people, then we have a right and, in fact, an obligation to alter or abolish that government. That's exactly what the American colonists did back in 1776. They decided to declare independence and abolish the former government they were under, which at that point was imperialism, essentially. They were under control of the British monarch. They decided to step forward and abolish that government and create a new one. They did it by putting together a constitution. It took years. But they put together a form of government that had never been tried before. And they wanted that government to protect the people and the people to be able to protect themselves from that government. Let's take our final break now. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. 
Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So in 1776, we fought a revolutionary war to rid ourselves of a government that was corrupt and that didn't allow individual freedoms. Now we have a government in Washington, D.C., which is just as corrupt, perhaps more so, which is trying to deny our individual freedoms and is effectively doing so in a lot of cases and is going to continue to do so, particularly if the Democrats continue to control the presidency and by way of doing so control the Supreme Court and eventually get back control of the Senate. So Americans are going to have to wake up and stop demanding free stuff because the free stuff they're getting is not free. First of all, somebody is paying for it. It's mostly the listeners of this show who pay their taxes and don't go around demanding free stuff. But the free stuff also comes with a price of giving up your individual freedoms. And I say it over and over again, I'll say it again now. If people don't understand what their freedoms are, if they haven't read the Constitution, if they don't know what is in the Bill of Rights, then they're not going to know when that's being taken away from them. If you think that's not true, just watch some of these shows like Waters Interviews on Fox News where he goes and talks to people along the beaches in California and asks them simple questions about the Constitution, about American history. These people don't even know who the Vice President of the United States is. They have no clue what the Second Amendment is. They have no clue what the Second Amendment means. The Second Amendment was not accidentally put in the Constitution. The Second Amendment was put in because, as I pointed out, the American people, who had been colonists, were deciding to try a brand new form of government something that had never been done before, a constitutional republic. 
a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. They did not know if it would work. And they wanted to make sure that it didn't evolve into another form of tyranny. So they put in there the Second Amendment to the Constitution that gives the people the right to keep and bear arms and says that that right shall not be infringed upon. Yet we as a people have sat back and let that right be infringed upon repeatedly by various state and government, federal government actions. The Supreme Court has finally ruled that the Second Amendment to the Constitution is, in fact, an individual right. Why did it take 200 years for that ruling to come down? Read the Constitution. The Second Amendment to the Constitution says that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed upon. If you and I aren't the people, who is who are the people? And then we've had the perversion of the First Amendment, the freedom of religion. I had several people, two of them PhDs, tell me that right after they got a copy of my book that they contacted me and said, you know, until we had read your booklet, our Constitution, we had no idea that the phrase separation of church and state was not in the Constitution of the United States. They said, we thought it was in the First Amendment. We had been taught in, in school that it was in the Constitution. In fact, it's not in the First Amendment. It's not in the Constitution anywhere. That phrase came from a letter written by the President of the United States at the time, Thomas Jefferson, when a religious group came and asked him to intervene and mediate a dispute that was going on within the congregation. And he wrote that letter and basically said that would violate the separation of church and state. Because, see, he had written the, the Declaration of Independence and he'd helped form the Constitution. He knew what that meant. The Establishment Clause of the Constitution in the First Amendment protects people in this country from having the federal government establish a religion for them, a single religion. It protects their right to establish any religion they want, to practice any religion they want. Thus, the First Amendment to the Constitution, the Establishment Clause, does not provide for freedom from religion, as your leftists contend. It provides for freedom of religion, which means that the federal government is obligated to support religion, not a particular religion, not a particular denomination, but to support religion. Thomas Jefferson knew this. Many of our founding fathers and early presidents knew this. That's why the words, in God we trust, are on our currency to this day. That's why the Ten Commandments is prominently displayed in the United States Supreme Court. The same court that has ruled the state courts can't put it up, that they can't even have it on public grounds, that they can't even mention it, that you can't pray in, in schools, that no religions can even use school facilities. It's gotten to the point now where if somebody even wears a cross to school, they could be expelled. 
But of course, if you're a Muslim and you have to wear a headscarf because you're a Muslim female, or you want to wear a shirt that says Allah Akbar, Allah is great, well, that's a different ballgame. You are entitled to constitutional rights, even though you may be one of those Muslims who wants to destroy our Constitution and our country. But if you're a Christian, forget it. That's something that we need to consider in this upcoming election. If you're a Christian or Jew, regardless of your denomination, whether you're Catholic, whether you're Protestant, whether you're Mormon, you have to consider who is going to protect your freedom of religion. Who is going to look to protect your right to practice your religion rather than to try to protect the people who want to destroy religion and want to take away your rights. Something else that we need to be thinking about in this upcoming presidential election. We need to be looking out for the gun control orders that are becoming out of the Obama administration. We need to be watching for his social engineering. One of the things that he's doing right now, which a lot of people in our military are having problems with, and our military is being decimated anyway. Budget cuts have cut our military down to half of what its size was before Desert Storm. We have a United States Navy that's approximately half the size it was before World War II. Uh, we have an Air Force that's the same situation. Uh, Marine Corps, Army, troops or levels are being cut to the bone. And what's Obama doing? Well, he's not that interested in having our military defend us or defeat terrorism. He instead wants social engineering. He wants our military to receive sensitivity training so that they love Muslims and so that they don't say anything bad about the terrorists that we're trying to, to defeat. He wants sensitivity training so that they will accept women in combat roles. Now, this despite the fact that the Marine Corps has conducted numerous studies where they have placed women in combat roles and found that because of physical limitations, it doesn't have anything to do with desire. It has physical limitations, which do exist. Because of physical limitations, women in combat roles endanger not only themselves, but the other members of their units and make them less effective. Does this matter to Obama? No. In fact, that's what Obama wants. That's what Hillary Clinton wants, is elected less effective military. Just in case that very military may get to the point, breaking point, and turn on them. Ladies and gentlemen, please encourage people to listen to this show. We broadcast at this time every Wednesday, but the show is in archived on Thursday, so people can listen to this show and my other past shows anytime they want to. Go to my blog, www.michaelconnolly.jigsy.com. Read my blog. Help support it financially or by ordering copies of my books, which you can buy through there. And please consider ordering copies of my booklet, 
our Constitution. Because the more people we can get in, the more of those booklets we can get in the hands of people prior to the election, particularly young people, the more I think we'll see the light come over to vote to defend freedom, not to destroy it. Now, that may sound like me blowing my own horn, but the response to this booklet has been tremendous. So you can order it at www.michaelconnelly.com or www.constitution.jigsy.com. Please encourage other people to listen to this show and other people to read my blog. And also donate to us at the United States Justice Foundation, usjf.net, because we filed 10 briefs in courts of appeal in the Supreme Court just in the last two months. We have a lot more we need to do for the situation we have in the court. So please support us. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you again next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.